welcome to the Midlife Men podcast with me, Philip Briscoe. In this episode, I talked to Ross. He was working up to 115 hours a week with a demanding job in international finance and spending most of his life on an aeroplane. After experiencing a near-fatal medical event, he decided that things needed to change. And he talks to me about how he found his dream job as a teacher and how he retrained and the massive difference it's made to his life. Welcome to this episode of Midlife Men. Today I'm joined by Russ. Russ, please introduce yourself and perhaps give a little idea of what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, thanks, Phil. So yeah, my name is Russell Hoogley. I am 50 years old and I have just experienced a rather dramatic career change, which I'm absolutely delighted about. I think I found my perfect job and making a change so late in uh, in one's career is uh, or not to be too daunting. So uh, absolutely loving life. Great. I'm sure there are many people listening to this who probably feel oops, trapped or exhausted or just wanting a change in their job. And perhaps you could start at the beginning and start, where does your story begin? Yeah, sure. So my story begins really from, you know, I've been in the world of finance and held a number of senior finance roles in a number of different organizations, you know, both nationally and internationally, which over the years has involved a lot of international travel, which has meant a long time away from family, not for any sort of prolonged period of time, any particular one period, but it all aggregates into a long time over, of course, over a period of 10 to 15 years, number of weeks away. So having two young children, or at least they were young when I was working, they're now 17 years old, got 17-year-old twins. Yeah, I felt at that point I missed a lot of their you know, sort of growing up and missed their formative years, which is, I kind of look back on and feel that, you know, maybe it was a little bit selfish from my part, you know, looking, you know, working hard, playing hard and not spending too much time with the family. So therefore that work-life balance was never really there. How many other were you working? You know, give us an idea of... So yeah, back in 2016-17, I was probably working in excess of 100 hours per week, maybe reaching 115 hours per week, doing that for a period of a year. And ultimately, you know, so it's, it's not it's not sustainable for a long period of time. So something had to change. And what happened next? So obviously, international travel sometimes doesn't suit everyone. So I got DVT on a flight back from New York. Found that I uh, couldn't walk getting off the plane. My whole my left leg was rock solid. And then at that point, clearly, I knew that something had to change. So I had to change my work environment, had to change my attitude to obviously international travel, which was, which was no longer feasible. And how serious was this? You got off the plane, you couldn't walk. What did you do? It was uh, ultimately life-threatening. So my hold of my left leg was rock solid and burning hot. I stupidly <laughs> got in my car from Heathrow Airport and drove to the local Memorial Hospital, which is a walk-in hospital, and bearing in mind I couldn't walk at the time. It seemed quite a strange idea. They laughed me off and said, what are you doing here? And transferred me straight to the DVT clinic at our local hospital, which I was seen straight away. So the main vein to the heart was, and it's located directly behind the knee, and, and the blood clot had reached that. So if I hadn't gone into hospital that day, I wouldn't be sitting here right now having a chat for so that's that's about serious. Yes. Pretty serious as it gets, yeah. And obviously with a, a wife and you know, two children at a time that were about 10 years old, got twins and like that. And so, you know, it was um, yeah a real wake-up call that something had to change. So, yeah, speaking to uh, The Rock, that is my wife, Justine, we sat down together and said, okay, let's look at options. So um, took some time off work, re-evaluated where I wanted to go, then went to work 
part-time like in the UK and really which kind of suited the lifestyle. And then I looked to maybe grow a small client base of my own and to work alongside that part-time role working in London for a hedge fund. What else did you do? Did you proactively find ways of you know changing your your working life or your, your general lifestyle? I definitely obviously changed my working life pretty much instantaneously. So, you know, the ball was in my court. So I could decide, you know, what days of a particular week that I could work, that I wanted to work. So it wasn't set hours. So the part-time role was three days per week, but I could work whatever day I wanted to and not necessarily in the office. So therefore I could work a day at a weekend if it suited, if my wife was away or whatever it might be. So I had that flexibility and that was a little bit more balance to my life rather than work, 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 and no play, play, play. It was, I found it, it suited me a lot better. And did you feel more fulfilled or, you know, happier having changed your working life? Yes, oh. indeed. I mean, I'm an avid sports fan, so I, I played golf whenever I wanted to. That helped me sort of balance the life between, you know, sort of previously it was work, 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 uh, working those ridiculous hours. Now they was mixed in with a lot of recreation and the fun things as well. So that helped my mental well-being, and you could say, and you know, health and well-being. So that's it's a major step. That's something I will never, ever regret. And were there other contributors to, you know, perhaps your burnout or your decision to to change gear? Um, yeah, the family was probably one of the most important parts. Not spending too much time with them not being around when the kids are growing up. I think I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person that goes through that. That was a key point for me, but also spending more time with my wife at home. So during the time that I have spent at home and then obviously going into lockdown, you know, our relationship has uh, blossomed to a different level. You know, we are in effect best friends and have been for a long, long time, but you know, that's kind of cemented it. So I know a lot of people may have spent spending too much time at home, you know, it's going to have, you know, it's going to have disaster written all over it. But however, yeah, I've absolutely loved it and we've grown from strength to strength. And as a family, we could do a lot more, a lot, a lot more bits and pieces to go. And I know you've now changed your yeah. career, but, but how did that start? So back in 2014, both my parents were diagnosed with terminal cancer. So I decided to take a, a break from work for 18, it ended up being 18 months. But then with that free time, I volunteered at my, my children's school, which coincidentally happens to be in the same road that I live. So it's quite convenient. No travel times there. I got involved in the Paris Teacher Association, got involved in school trips, got involved in some simple mathematics and English tuition within class and being a teaching assistant, organizing social events for the school, you know, the annual firework display, the annual dad's football tournament, for example, and got involved in a school environment, which I really, really enjoyed. And then how did, so then, where is it? Oh, there, yeah. And what sort of impacts do you think that had on, you know, your change or, or your, your situation or the way you were thinking, rather? COVID gave me a lot more time for reflection. So I had the... Yeah, the experience of volunteering at my children's primary school. I also had been for the previous six, seven years, been coaching football for my son's football team. I'm sure there's many of that out there that probably does the same. But, uh, you know, I really, really enjoyed that. I got a great response from the children and from the parents as well. You know, it gave me a lot of enjoyment. So therefore, with that and with my volunteering, yeah, previously, the ball I managed to give up. And also speaking to friends during during the time as well. So, you know, just before lockdown, I met up with my university housemates 
and we do I mean, we have done it for the last 10, 15 years. And out of the last for six, five of them are now teachers, which also adds to, you can see where this is obviously clearly going now, but it all adds to the story. One of my um, best friends decided to change career when he got made redundant from a job he'd been in for the last 20 years. They obviously got a very nice you know, sort of settlement package. What do I do? And he then went, decided to go down the same career change path that I subsequently followed afterwards. So you decided to retrain as a teacher? Retrain as a teacher. So during, yeah, so going back to lockdown, my children were at home. I was coaching them as they were going towards their GCSEs. Field I was being in finance. My field is in informatics. I was, well, I to think I was fairly good at it when I was back at school and at university. I got an economics degree. So I found that whether or not my children actually listened to me as much as I hoped they would is another matter. But they came out with good grades at GCSE, which I was truly thankful for. So with all that in mind, so lockdown gave me that time to think. It also gave me time to speak a lot of other people and reflect. So then I decided to retake my mathematics A-level 30 years after taking it previously and surprisingly got a better grade second attempt. So 30 years ago, I probably wasn't the best student in the world, to be honest. I was. My best friend told me last week I was easily distracted and as an 18-year-old, whereas now I find it sort of I'm flabbergasted to see how difficult I actually made the subject feel back when I was 18 years old. So yeah, to lockdown had a lot of positives for me and gave me a lot of time for reflection. So done the A-level, I then decided to do a PGCE in secondary mathematics at Roehampton University, which I started in September 2021. Great. So you became a yeah, then a trainee. I'm um, yeah, a trainee teacher. Yes, yeah. And then I was placed at Tiffin School, which is in Kingston upon Thames, which is, I mean, as luck would have it's one of the better schools in the country. It's, I think it's regularly in the top twenty results wise. And it's a grammar school. It's not a private school. However, the quality of students is fantastic. And when I went there, I was extremely you now that's teaching alongside and sharing sort of fervent say level classes with two doctors in mathematics. And there's me who's then decided to go into mathematics teaching at the ripe old age of just before fifty. So it's quite daunting. Yeah, don't let anyone say that teaching is an easy career, as I found out. So I totally underestimated it. So looking back then, this journey took years and regrets? Yes, I think so. I should have made the decision earlier. So back in 2014, 15 when I had time out of work. 18 months, I'd done a lot of volunteering, got involved in the school life as my kids were going through primary school. I think at that point would have been the ideal time to make that change. So some seven years later, six, seven years later, I finally managed to make that jump. And my wife would probably tell me now that I'm in my, you know, my perfect job. I teach mathematics and I now teach economics and I also coach sport. So being a sport lover, been do working with numbers and everything else and having my love of mathematics is you know, it's just a perfect job. You're a living example of somebody who's doing a job they really enjoy, perfect for them. Yeah. May have taken you twenty five years to, to find that out. Yeah. But I guess there are a lot of people out there listening who aren't in that situation, who especially perhaps when you're a bit older in your forties, fifties, starting to realise that perhaps what you've been doing for the last twenty years is not really what you were put on this earth to do. So what advice would you give to somebody that was thinking, maybe they feel 
a lot of people feel trapped financially or just you know unable to decide what they might want to do. What advice would you give people to kind of start that train of thought? Obviously, the the financials burden is obviously quite it's quite a real one, especially in this day and age. So, however, there are there's always a solution out there. So, speak to the people that matter in in your life to see the the change. And that's clearly it has been for reduction in income, as we sort of teachers' pay has been in the news quite quite regularly over the course of the last year. But you know, it's working with the people that matter, working with your spouse, and understanding your liabilities in the future, and seeing if you can manage that. Fortunately, in the position to be able to do that, and what I suggest to anyone is that if you're thinking of a changing career you know, later in life, don't hesitate. A lot of people have said to me once I told them I was going into teaching, or they hadn't seen me for a while, and I realised I'd gone into teaching. I said, "Wow, you know, I've actually thought of doing that before, but never quite had the nerve to actually go through and do it." I always liked to present at work. I was never really bothered by that. All I'm doing now is presenting six times a day. So the very intelligent students that want to learn. And then also coaching sports on top of that. Why wouldn't you want to go and do that? So it doesn't have to be teaching, whatever career. If there's something else that you really fancy having a go at and you have the potential to go and do that, don't hesitate. What's the worst that can happen? You can go into something and try it and therefore it doesn't work out and you can go back to what you're doing before. Or maybe something different. Don't limit your options later in life. I think I once said that you should ask your eight-year-old self what not necessarily what you wanted to do, but perhaps what you enjoyed doing. And the answer may lie there. Yeah, indeed. So I used to play football every day. I used to play cricket every day. All kinds of men as a sports. So the down to the advice to table tennis. So if I could play sport every day, which I would only do at school, one one form or another, where it's in, in classes, sports afternoon at the local sports fields, or even at school doing a little bit of you know, table tennis coaching, whatever it might be, then I am playing sport every day. But then also now I've, because I'm at home a lot more and I don't have that international travel that I once had, I'll now also, for me, I've joined the local cricket club, which I'm absolutely thoroughly enjoying. What would you say then is the biggest difference between your life, maybe eight, nine, ten years ago, and the one you've got now? A lot more relaxed. My friends at the golf club would probably pay testament to that. So when I was working late hours, I was, I guess, a fairly... Uh, excellent golfer and now I'm a lot more chilled out and relaxed and actually subsequently I'm actually playing a lot better so I do feel I'm a lot calmer than I was nine, ten years ago although my children might disagree whatever I say anyways. So tell me about your work-life balance. And now it's great when I was working recently to one of my later roles in 2016-17 and then holidays were constantly interrupted so you would organize a nice trip to Italy for a couple of weeks and constantly getting to interrupted their weekly, daily huddle meetings that I was told I had to attend. Every morning, 10 o'clock of a two-week holiday, I had to be on that huddle meeting because yeah, I need to understand and know exactly what's happening or why it's happening. But with that, my work-life balance, I never felt that I was actually away from work. So that a family holiday to Italy, for example, went to Pisa or Florence and stayed at a friend's house for five or six days as well. And I think I'm the only person in sort of living history that's been to Pisa and never actually seen the Leaning Tower. I think I don't want to say whether that's a claim to fame, but maybe it's a part and parcel of that lack of work-life balance that I had before. So your career change now, doing the job you were always meant to do, how do you think that's affected perhaps the way you see yourself or the way others see you? 
Look, I think when I was working all hours, I found I found myself being quite often agitated. Uh, maybe because I was short-tempered, I used to be a fairly petulant golfer, for example. But then also, I was tired, grumpy. I think sort of a, a good example of how I was perceived me out of time was my children set up the family Netflix account and my profile picture was an angry bird. So the red angry bird with the yellow beak looking very stern. And my wife says my voice sometimes look, you know, is akin to Brian Blessed. So, but I didn't, didn't necessarily see myself as being that way. But clearly, obviously, with the hours were, you're obviously clearly going to be tired. So it's interesting to see how others perceive you compared to how you think you are. And I think from now, I do believe that I've become a lot calmer. My playing partners at golf have mentioned it to me. Russ, you are a different person. And I like to think I'm calmer, you know, like in a real family and friends as well. So, so for that, I've got a change of career and a change of lifestyle to thank. At what point did you think this has to change? Would it be the EBT? Would it be, was that the kind of realization in your head that you could change something? Yeah. Uh, the, I think the main trigger for me. I think it's over, I mean, sort of, it's developed over a course of a number of years. So the DVT happened in 2017. So some sort of six years ago now, I think at the start of the journey, and then COVID then had an impact upon, yeah, as a trigger, because it gave a lot of time, a lot more time for reflection, as I said earlier. But, and then that reflection, I think, so the real trigger point one when I was, to working as a consultant in sort of tax and corporate accounting. And as once with some of my clients is that if they outsource work to you, then as a matter of time, they will then bring a lot of that work in-house and recruit internally, especially with the change in tax laws that came around. So therefore the whole dynamic of the working situation was changing, especially from a consultancy perspective. So I found that the wonderful world of UK tax was kind of limiting some of the clients that I could approach. And it was also limiting their approach towards consultants as well. So maybe with then the downturn in the, the consulting and sort of contracted market, I think that was the final push of the button, which made me change to go into something completely different, to coin a phrase from Monty Python. So yeah, that was probably the main trigger the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Then through teaching you know, soccer for 10 years and seeing the development of the kids and the enjoyments and the responses I got, and then also the responses that I got from the experience I got whilst at my children's primary school, all those, and then my university friends, everyone was saying how much of a wonderful idea this, this, is going, this would be for me to go down that route. So, yeah, so the health issues aside, I don't think the DVT was the main contributory factor that that helped me change my lifestyle and my work-life balance, which then gave me more time to ponder and reflect upon what I could then do going forward. And looking at teaching as an occupation for someone that's older, what advantages would you say there are? for someone like yourself or someone who's lived quite a bit of life and perhaps on another occupation, what are the benefits of of then entering that career at a later age? So having children, so you have a lot of life experience. 
So one of the teachers at school mentioned to me, do you think maybe your outside experience that you've gained over the last 30 years, Russ, is not being you know, sort of reflected in you know, your, your, your job at the school? So, which, I mean, which is a fair point. So I've got separate skills. So therefore, I've got a lot more life experience and a lot more you know, sort of I, I can bring to the table at school. So, but there are other ways to get involved. It's not just teaching six classes a day or five classes a day and then coming away at the end of it. We also, also then you also look at you know, developing yeah, the students that you have within your tutor group. You can go on a journey of five or seven years looking after a set group of students. So therefore, my life experiences I can apply to the youngsters and see them develop and nurture them as they grow older and older. So therefore, those kind of experiences I feel that I can offer. And as a more mature teacher not straight out of the university then I think I can offer a lot more in that field and also coming from a finance background I can also get involved in a number of other different activities at the school obviously but with the current climate that's also been happening with the government recently budgets are very important within the schools and they're managed internally themselves which puts a huge burden upon the senior leadership team within the school and if I've got 25 years experience of managing finance teams across the world, then surely I would have the skills then to help and benefit the school from a budgeting, a forecasting, and, and maybe maybe fundraising for things that the school wants to do in the future. So just looking at the practicalities, if, if I wanted to be become a teacher, retrain as a teacher, uh-huh. what, what are those steps? You know, for anyone listening, what, what should they go and do? Where should they start? So, I mean, the adverts on TV you see through and through, you know, sort of get into teaching, it's, it is that simple. So there are a number of different routes you can go. You can approach a school directly and go through what they call a school direct route. You're, you're then employed by the school um, and they'll pay for your, they'll pay for your PGC or your postgraduate certificate of education for that one year. And then you've got a guaranteed job afterwards. Or alternatively, you can go through a university led degree, which is what I did. So I went through Rahat and university as a university-led degree, and you get placed in contrasting schools during the one academic year when you're going through PDCs. You can look at the government websites on getting to teaching, and that will outline all the different routes that are available to you. And so I was not the eldest on the course. There was a, an array of individuals that have made the decision for a career change. So on a course of, say, 25, there were five or six that were sort of in their 40s or above or then between 40 and 50 or just over 50. So I wasn't the only person doing it. So there's more people transferring into teaching than you'd expect. So although we do hear on the press that teachers are leaving at an alarming rate. However, yeah, I think that's been combated quite well in the fact you know, and the the government um you know, sort of advertising campaign on trying to promote teachers. And the government also provides incentives for science teachers, for mass teachers to go into teaching. They'll provide you with a tax-free grant for the year of your training. So therefore, if you are looking to transition, then you still need to pay the bills. You've got no potentially no income. You can have a grant from the government, which will then support it. It's only for sciences, those subjects that are lacking the appropriate number of teachers in that field. Great. Thank you. That's really useful. And we might put some links on the site as well. Thank you, Russ. Thanks for talking to me. I think from what you've from our discussion, yeah, I think the overriding message might be if you want to change, do it now. There's no time like the present, Phil. Yeah. And so and, and as I said before, you're kind of living example that somebody that's has made that change 
a number of you know events have happened that maybe influenced that, but ultimately you have no regrets. Yeah, no, my wife said it's my perfect job. Right. So with that, then uh, I agree. So I'm loving life. And yeah, recommend it so well. Perfect. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Phil. Appreciate your time. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Midlife Men. If, like Russ, you're interested in me training to become a teacher, then visit the UK Gov's Get Into Teaching website, and I'll put the link in the episode description. If you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like us to cover in the podcast, or if you have a story you'd like to share, then please contact me either on Twitter at MidlifeMen or email me at midlifemen01 at gmail.com. Join me next time when we talk to other midlife men about their stories and maybe you'll find that they resonate with you. Thank you.